0: The passage today is out of Isaiah, it's chapter 60, beginning at verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. So word for this morning. The light went out. (laughs) Uh, this morning we're going to be focusing on moments, um, it's epif- the epiphany of the Lord, but moments are gifts that God sends our way to draw us nearer to Him and nearer to each other, and we're going to be focusing on us, those kind of things that give us that aha, right, that revelation and epiphany. And to help with that, we're going to explore what it means to this epiphany of the Lord day. No? Okay. Okay. I went. Like, the lights went. <laughs> <laughs> the lights went out. Oh, there they go. Never mind. That was miraculous. How'd you do that? Oh, I didn't know you wore those lights on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I I, I, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Aha! <laughs> Let there be light. Gonna talk about light today. <laughs> Welcome to Arbor Point Church. Um, now, a lot of us in here are probably not familiar with the church calendar, so I'm going to walk through the liturgical calendar, the church calendar. We just come out of the season of Advent. That's the time when, when we celebrate the Advent of the Lord or, or the coming of the Lord. It comes from the Latin word adventer, which means to come. Uh, that's, when we, that's the time of anticipation of the birth of Christ but also, and, and, and the return of Christ. The time that starts after Christmas and that follows that is known as Christmas Tide. You might know it by another name because there's this weird song about partridges and a pear tree and stuff, but this is the twelve days of Christmas actually starts at Christmas and runs to January sixth January sixth is the day, is the epiphany of the Lord day now that happened to be on Friday, and so we're going to talk about it today um, on this sunday and 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 then after this will be lent we will, will come I think March first is Ash Wednesday and then the time of repentance known as Lent, which will lead us into Easter, Palm Sunday, and then the following week will be uh, Easter. By the way, that's also when we're going to be doing confirmation for our youth will be happening during that period of time. And then after, after Easter, we have a time up until the, pen, the day of Pentecost, and then we have what's called normal time. Which is really there ain't nothing much special going on, so that goes all the way up until All Saints Day, and uh, which is the first Sunday in November, and then that's at the end of that we go into Advent. Now Advent it. No way! I already said that. So that's the liturgical calendar, and today we're going to celebrate what's known as the Epiphany of the Lord. It's the oldest of the Christmas festivals. It it originally was the most important. It's not anymore, um, at least not in the Western world. But it was the oldest. The word Epiphany comes from a Greek word Epiphaneia, which almost makes sense, right? Which which means shining forth or manifestation or revelation. It's a time when we seek the revelation of the Lord. The Epiphany of the Lord is a time when we celebrate the ways that Jesus revealed himself to us. Now he did that in, in several different ways. One, when he was baptized by John the Baptist, right? And, and, a do- and, and the spirit as a dove descended and, and the voice, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. That was a revealing that Jesus wasn't just another dude that John the Baptist was dunking. This was, this was a special, spe- that's probably irreverent, wasn't it? <laughs> oh well. also the magi so you've got these magi who come and we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the message but the magi came from like persia to to visit with jesus and that was another revealing uh, of of god and another is a wedding at cana where jesus turned water into wine that was something you know not just anybody could show up at a wedding and turn water into wine right but jesus managed to do it that was a revealing of who god was so those are times when, when God revealed that Jesus was something a little bit special, actually a lot special, that he was indeed God in human flesh, God incarnate, Emmanuel from the season we just came at, God with us. Jesus is, is God with us. And those all show that, that, this is, that Jesus was very, very special. God intervened, was made known, and nothing was the same again. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the people, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar. Your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of nations will come. Isaiah wrote this. 700 plus years before Jesus. Isaiah wrote it to the exiled Jewish kingdom. They, were, they, were, had been, they they had been conquered and they had moved. They had been taken away from their country. And so he's writing this to them saying, it's going to get better. There's, it, you, you're not going to stay there. When you come back, it, it, it's going to be okay. See, they expected when they got back, they'd find things in ruin, which... Honestly, they did, because another people had come in while they were exiled, and so another people had come in. Darkness over the peoples and the earth. It was real. But Isaiah is saying, it's not going to stay there, for the light is going to come. See, darkness is only part of that story. Some weird things happen. See, the, the, the light of this story is that Cyrus, who allowed them to come home, allowed them to bring their material wealth with them, which was unheard of. Here, you've, you've conquered a people. You've taken them out of, out of their place. They're now exiled from where they were. You have them. You have all their stuff. And then you say, okay, you can go back now. And by the way, you can take your stuff with you. That was already a Something that wouldn't normally have happened in the kingdoms of that time. The people were able to find hope even though it was dark. And that brings me to to an eternal truth. If I had points, this would be one of the main ones. There is hope even if there is darkness. There is hope even if there is darkness. That's one of our truths that we can grab hold of, that we take with us everywhere that we go. Now, one of the awesome things about Scripture and why please get involved in a small group, in a study, study at home, do, do something. It's better with other people because it, it allows us to learn from more than just our own place. But Scripture has depth. Isaiah, when he wrote this, wasn't necessarily writing that to us. He was writing it to a, a people in exile. Hey, you're going to end up going back. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. But God, through Isaiah, you know who he was writing to? Us. Scripture has depth. 700 years before Christ, 2,000 plus years before us today, God has a message. Arise, shine. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. See, we can use an epiphany. We can use a revelation. I love that song because, you know, give me a revelation. Please, Lord, give me a revelation. Show me what to do. I've been trying to find my way. I haven't got a clue. Tell me, should I stay here? Do I need to move? Give me a revelation. I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing without you you. Right? We need a revelation. We need an epiphany today. We need God to move in our lives through us into this community in ways that are beyond belief. There are 134 chairs in here. You know how I know that? (laughs) I pray over them. I, I do this. I circle them. I Jericho them seven times. Every chair in here represents somebody in our community who doesn't know Jesus. This chair, these three rows, 18 people don't know Jesus. They're out there. Why aren't they here? Praying God will bring us to the courage to go into this community so that they go, What in the world is going on at Arbor Point Church? Well, <laughs> you know, they're, they're praying for waitresses at, at Arbor Point Church. It's crazy. Every chair in here represents a soul that needs Jesus. Pray for them. 134 chairs. You don't have to circle them. You can if you want. One day we'll probably do that. We'll just walk around here praying. But pray for them. Pray for them. They're there. They're in this community. They're looking for, for, they don't even know they're looking for Jesus, but they're (laughs) looking for Jesus. Arise, shine, for your light has come, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines upon you. That's God's call to us, it's his call to his body, the church. How powerful would it be if we took up this mantle, this cross, if we rose from apathy, rose from busyness, and became who God called us to be. be you for him. Live that out. This is a time for an active faith, a moving faith. We are the light of the world, and light will always overcome darkness. And it may, I understand, it may be that right now in your world that it seems like the you know, light is dwindling, and the darkness is overwhelming, and it's consuming you. Life has overwhelmed you in this moment. You don't know what to do. If that's you, I hope that you grab hold Of this passage of scripture. Isaiah's words to the Israelites are meant for you this morning. There is a day coming for you. There is a day coming for you. A moment in which you're going to shine. And I know that's kind of mysterious. Well where is it? But keep plugging away because there is a day coming when you're going to shine. God is with you. God is with you. Tell the person around you. God is with you. Grab hold of that. God lives in the moments of our lives. Now, the Apostle Paul knows about some of those mystery stuff. I mean, he was going to Damascus, and he has this, this crazy experience where, where a big light blinds him and stuff, and, and he goes from being one of the most outspoken zealots and chasers of, of, and, and persecutors of Christianity to being the writer of most of the New Testament. I, I mean, talk about a trans, transformation from over here to over here but he saw something different. Hear what he said in Ephesians. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by, say it with me, revelation. As I have already written briefly, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel members together of one body, shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Now, that doesn't sound radical unless you look at who Paul was. Paul was a Jew. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. The world to Paul was made up of two kinds of people. Can you guess what those two kinds of people are? Gentiles. The Jews and the not Jews. Yeah, the Gentiles, the not Jews. There was the chosen who were, And the (laughs) unchosen (laughs) who were everybody else. Those were the two kinds of people that Paul is talking about. And now he's saying this this in here. The Gentiles are heirs together. I mean, this is a multi-millennial belief that the Jews are the chosen people and everybody else is just not chosen. And he wrote that. There were no other divisions that concerned Paul. Jew and Gentile, chosen and unchosen. So this mystery is that through the gospel, through Jesus Christ, who was a Jew as well, we become heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. It was radical. It's a radical concept then, and if we're honest about it, it's probably more radical now because we have found (laughs) incredible ways to divide ourselves. I don't know how many denominations, I didn't look it up, and it would probably be too few now because we find all kinds of ways to divide ourselves, to pull ourselves apart through ethnic, racial, cultural, sexual, all these distinctions that separate us from each other. Paul says, all people are heirs together in the promise of Jesus Christ. We are all equal in the sight of God. No one above or below. In the eyes of Christ, we are one. One people. Each of us has special gifts given to us. You, have, you are spiritually gifted in unique ways to be about the business of Christ in this world. And the time has come for us here and throughout the Christian community, really, to use those gifts. To use those gifts for him. To see what he'll do with us if we walk fully into that place where where we believe that all means all. And we trust God enough to know that, that the Holy Spirit is the convictor of sin. And we learn to love each other even if we don't like each other. Even if we disagree with each other. And trust the Holy Spirit's going to be in the mix. I don't have to convict you of sin. Holy Spirit, That's the Holy Spirit's job. I need to preach the gospel clearly. But conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Paul was literally imprisoned for his faith. And yet he had more freedom than many of us live with today. How did he do that? You ever just sit back and go, how do you do that? How can you be incarcerated all the time and yet be free? And I think this. I think that he learned how to let go. That he learned how to let go of his preconceptions about people. Jew. Gentile. Chosen. Unchosen. The law versus the spirit. His perspective became eternal. Began to see things differently. His path was different after Damascus. After that moment when he was touched, he was transformed, and I would say that if, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and and that Holy Spirit has touched you, you cannot stay the same, you cannot stay the same, if you try to stay the same, he's going to bump you, and go, (laughs) and then you're going to go, go away, and he's going to go, no, you said you, you accept me as your Lord and Savior, I got news for you, I love you too much to let you go, Are we willing to walk by a different road, as Paul did? One of those stories of the epiphany is the Magi coming to see Jesus. I'm going to read from Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. He lied. Wait, that's not in there. He still lied. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of Frankincense and of myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by Nazareth. The Magi were wise men; it's likely that they were priests among either the Babylonians or the Persians, and it's likely also that they learned of this Jewish prophecy because of the exile. That, that when when the Israelites were exiled into the into their country, then they they heard about this prophecy. That's likely how they did. And they traveled to Jerusalem from what would have probably been the Iran or Iraq area. Now, they didn't travel by airplane or by train or even by car. They mostly walked. So it took them a while to get there. They were not Jewish, so they were Gentile. Gentile. So why them? Why them? Why was this epiphany, this revelation given to them? God could have used a, a Jewish priestly group. He could have said, I'm going to send the, the, you know, some, some of these Pharisees over there to herald this arrival. But he didn't do that. And I think he did that because this was such a distinct, defining moment in history that God used it to send a message to all people that no longer would there be Jew or Gentile separate. Think about who he told. Shepherds in the field who were Jews. Magi in another nation who were Gentile. Together to see Jesus. The manifestation of God's promise was revealed to a chosen in the shepherd and a non-chosen people. The message to me is very clear God, when He says all means all, you know what I means? All means all. All means all. And that led to that moment in history when everything changed, when the epiphany happened, when that revelation happened, and nothing was the same again. If you could capture a moment in your life, just one, what might that moment be? Would it be a moment of regret? Wish I hadn't done that. A moment of joy? A moment from your past? What would that moment be? Erwin McManus, he wrote a book called Chasing Daylight. And he wrote this. He said, how many of us haven't spent many moments reflecting on moments lost, unaware that moments lost in regret are exactly that, moments lost? If we could take a moment, seize it, and squeeze out of it all the life in it, shouldn't that moment be in the future rather than in the past? What if you knew that there was a moment coming, a divine moment, one where God would meet you in such a way that nothing would be the same again? What if there was a moment, a defining moment, where the choices you made determined the course and momentum of your future? How would you treat such a moment? How would you prepare for it? How would you identify it? Moments are as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands and the sea, and any of them could prove to be your most significant divine moments. Within those moments, a handful will become the defining moments in your life. Now you hear this. However mundane a moment may appear, the miraculous may wait to be unwrapped within it. You rarely know up front the eternal significance of a moment. The moment that you must seize right now is the one right in front of you. Arise, shine your light has come the glory of the Lord rises upon you Isaiah is sending this message sending it to you sending it to me your moment has come your light has come it's time to turn the corner it's time to embrace this moment see the epiphany of the Lord is not some dry churchy liturgical thing from way back that we go Oh, well it must be that January 6th therefore that means it's this it's a current revelation of God in our lives God didn't quit revealing himself to us It's not just about what God did, it's about what God will do. I was in Athens some years ago and heard Reverend Chuck Hodges and pray for Chuck. He's going through some medical stuff. He was told this story about uh, Congressman and Ambassador Andrew Young. His daughter came to tell him that she was feeling called to go to Uganda as a missionary. Andrew Young, the parent, told his daughter that it was too dangerous. But she said it was dangerous in Atlanta. He then told her that she needed to finish school. There'd be time for that later, but she said the call was for now, for this moment in her life. After continuing the argument for a while, he did as most of us Christian parents do. He told her he would think and pray about it and get back to her. And as he was doing so, he realized that he had intended to raise his daughter to be a respectable Christian. He didn't know he'd raised a real one. We're er, entering into a critical year here at Arbor Point. This is going to be a year of revelation for us. A year of epiphany. Our God is active. I've loved watching God move in this place. And I pray that we begin to share that with others in our lives, that we come in contact with, with waiters and waitresses and those in our community who may not know, one who, who belong in these chairs. That we're willing to share a little bit about what God is doing in our lives and doing in the lives of those here at Arbor Point. God is continuing to reveal himself to us, continuing this mystery Uh, of revelation if we'll open our hearts to him as the song says we will see things in a new light if we're willing to let go of maybe some of the things that keep us bound up we have a vision team I mentioned earlier meeting on the 17th pray for the vision team leadership retreat is this Saturday on the 14th pray for for that we're going to be looking at everything we're doing everything we're doing, and deciding if it's where God would have us and what he'd have us be doing. And then go to the place that he's called us to go, wherever that is, whatever that looks like. You know, I, I've, I've been here six months. You know how many people have come to know Jesus in this place in the six months that I've been here? Zero. Zero. I said, Mike, you're not doing a very good job. And I'm looking at that, by the way. How can I reach into this community? You know, we've been waiting on a house to sell and just can't keep doing that. So we're going to engage. But it's not just me. If we want to make a difference, if we want to see God in our community and see lives transformed, we have to become willing to share what he's doing with others. We have to. And I pray that we do. Cover cover us in prayer. I'm in prayer for y'all. I'm in prayer for Arbor Point. I know, you know, I tell tell people this here all the time because it's just such an amazing thing. This is the first place that I've been where the heart is right. And I refuse to believe that where the heart is right, God is not going to do some amazing stuff. So we may be in the midst of, of some financial stuff and some other things, but I'm telling you, God is going to move in this place and things are going to become amazing. It's going to be very cool. And and so pray for that because it, it's got to be about Jesus. It's got to be about Jesus. Arise. Shine. <laughs> for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord shines upon you. Amen. 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 Grab hold of that. Rise, oh, rise, our Lord.